Hi, and welcome to Western Rite Conversations, a podcast where two friends and converts discuss living their Orthodox faith in an unorthodox world. Here are your hosts, Karen and Stephanie. It was once said about our parish that no one in this church is actually Orthodox. Believers, yes, but not Orthodox. When I heard those words, I was stung. But I knew it was true, because I am a part of this parish, and I had only dipped a toe into Orthodoxy, while the rest of my weight was still firmly planted in the world. Even though, like many of you here today, I had been chrismated and was attending church each week. And that's often what we think, right? That if we have been chrismated and attend church, that we are Orthodox. But this is a lie. To enter into Orthodoxy, which is to enter into the life of Christ, costs us our lives. How many of you here today have paid that price? Orthodoxy is life. If we don't live orthodoxy, we simply are not orthodox, regardless of the beliefs that we hold. I had professed the faith with my lips, but my life was secular. It was evident by my thoughts, words, and actions. Perhaps your words and actions give you away also. We live fully secular lives, and somewhere on that life, we've slapped on a bumper sticker among countless other bumper stickers that reads, quote, attends an Orthodox church, or worse, occasionally attends an Orthodox church. This is not the life that we as Christians are called to live. It is not the life that Matthew's gospel describes as one whose light shines before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This, brothers and sisters, is not the life that leads us down the narrow path to everlasting life with Christ. Christians are called to live the life of the apostles, the life given by Jesus Christ, a life of repentance, a life of purification of the heart and of its passions. Archimandrite Irene Steenberg, a modern Orthodox bishop and teacher, describes it so beautifully. He says, What is this life we are called to live? It is the life that we see in the holy apostles. We see in them a life that is wholly embracing and wholly transfigured by the experience of the living God. It is a life in which there is room for nothing else. Nothing. Everything is either part and parcel of the experience of the grace and mercy of God, or it is cast away, whatever the cost, whatever the association. It is a life for which God and his kingdom are not just first, but are supreme. Similarly, the life of the apostles, so transfigured, is a life that is lived in the world, but which the world has no power to touch. This is what makes the example of the holy apostles so potent. Just like salt, when added to food, does not lose its power, but changes the food that it is added to. So the life that we see in the Holy Apostles, when it is thrust into the world, with all of its darkness, and all of its storms, and all of its despair, 
is not weakened or diluted, but changes the world around it. This is the life to which you and I are called, not just of our own hearts, but of the entire cosmos. Which one of us here today is living that life? Or do we focus less on living our faith and more about getting on with the things of the world? How can we defend the church if we routinely turn our backs to God? Even though our feet may be orthodox, our hearts are not. How are we to show the world that Christianity is salvation when everything about us is so modern? Father Thomas Hopko tells us, You have to first understand yourself as a slave of Christ, a bonded servant, given to him completely. Then you can become his child, his son or daughter. The Holy Fathers teach us that unless we are completely dead to this world, to our own understanding of things and our own desires and passions, we have not even yet begun to live. Our faith is our responsibility, and it requires great effort and intention. We will not grow in Christ as individuals, nor will we grow as a parish or keep our young people in the church until we stop making excuses and start making efforts. One cannot be orthodox in the church and a secularist in life. Sooner or later, one becomes a secularist in the church also. St. John Chrysostom tells us, Those who live in the world, even though they are married or have children or work, should resemble monastics in many ways. You are greatly deceived if you believe there are things required of laymen and other things of monks at the deep spiritual realm of the heart. All are equally accountable before God. It is the teaching of the church that the multitudes of the pious monks and nuns are also teachers of the married and of the Christians who live and move in the world. They show us what the narrow road is like, and in this way they are our instructors. We who live in the world can look to the monastics for our example. Father Josiah Trenum tells us, Our parish must be inspired by the same vision that is the heart of the monastic life. This monastic life is an icon of the whole spiritual life that is asked of all of us. The rule of St. Benedict tells us, Your way of acting should be different from the world's way. The love of Christ must come before all else. Self-control, purpose, and discipline give aim to what might otherwise deteriorate into a kind of pseudo-religious life meant more for public show than for personal growth. We cannot attain the spiritual life by waiting for it. We must reach for it. Archbishop Avery is quoted as saying, One who disregards the fulfillment of the commandments and does not perform good works is alien to the true spiritual life. The two primary means by which we participate in orthodoxy, in the life of Christ, are the divine services and through kinonia, our Christian fellowship. Many of us understand the word liturgy to mean the work of the people, but I have heard that it can also be tra translated as the offering of the people for the whole world. It is through the liturgy that we come together to worship Christ and to do something useful for the whole world. Showing up and participating in the work is where we meet Christ and are transformed by Him.
Our bodies, hearts, and minds must be present here together in the liturgy. We are the body of Christ. Everyone working together is the power of Christ in action. St. John Chrysostom tells us, Let us prefer the time we spend here in church to any occupation or concern. Tell me this, what profit do you gain which cannot weigh the loss you bring on yourself and your whole household when you stay away from religious services? Suppose you find a treasure house full of gold, and this discovery is your reason for staying away. You have lost more than you have found, and your loss is as much greater as the things of the Spirit are better than the things we see. Attendance to the divine services greatly encourages you, brothers and sisters, in the faith and spiritual battle. Dedication to the liturgical calendar and the sacraments is work. Just showing up week after week for some takes great effort, but that is not enough. Father Josiah tells us, No one becomes strong as an Orthodox Christian by coming to liturgy on Sunday alone. No one. It's never happened. We don't have a single saint in the church like that. We are called to participate in all of the services, the feast days, the fasts, and in confession to name just a few. This all takes effort. Think about confession. Perhaps it's been a while since you've been. Why? Because confession is hard work. Father Josiah continues. Confession is not a side item in Christianity. It's the heart of the Orthodox Christian faith. It's the place where the rubber meets the road in following Christ to heaven. The absence of confession in a human life is not a minor thing. It is the absence of Christianity. Take away confession, and you have taken away and gutted orthodoxy. There is no orthodoxy without confession, period. Secondly, we have kinonia, Christian fellowship. This is critical. It was said by an orthodox priest that the only two things we need to fully live our faith is the liturgy and fellowship. Everything else, Bible studies, retreats, extracurricular programs, are non-essential when we are fully immersed in the work of the liturgy and in sacred fellowship. In these two things, we have an endless supply of all we need. The following quote is taken from the 2018 Junior Oratorical Competition winner, Luke Trenum. He begins by quoting Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The church teaches, Unus Christianus, nullus Christianus. One Christian is no Christian. Only a fool would set out on a journey to the kingdom of God alone. Sacred fellowship is the power of the church. Proper kinonia supports a healthy state of mind. Without it, we experience loneliness, isolation, and lack proper guidance and direction. It protects us from passing fads and political influences of society. In our modern culture, fellowship has been watered down to coffee hour. Not only has it become optional to attend, but oftentimes participation is shallow. We make small talk, barely getting beyond the topic of the weather. This, brothers and sisters, is not the fellowship of our Orthodox faith. Kinonia is a deep, abiding relationship with our brethren, in which we live our lives in Christ together. 
and is not limited to brushing shoulders for 15 minutes after liturgy before rushing back into the arms of the world. 1 Corinthians 14.26 says, When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. We must unite ourselves and share in the life of Christ. Those of us who make up the body of this parish have all been divinely appointed here. We are a family and we share something with one another that is unique to our parish. Do not forsake the importance of this. Take time to develop deep, healthy Christian bonds. It is these bonds that nurture and strengthen us and keep us in the way of the righteous. In this community, we are called to do as Hebrews 10 tells us, quote, Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I return to the statement I began with, No one in this parish is orthodox. Is that true of you? Are you orthodox? Or have you deceived yourself? Let us recall that our primary purpose on earth is to know, love, and serve God, eventually attaining Him indwelling in us, that we may become partakers of the divine nature. I pose to you now questions that Father Barnabas Powell asked his parish. Today, where are you in your spiritual growth? Are you ready to grow up? Are you ready to graduate from the elementary ways of children and finally move forward to become fathers and mothers who can then pass on this treasure of faith to the next generation? All you need is the rhythm of the church and her prayers and her liturgies, disciplines, and ways. It's finally really all about being orthodox on purpose. And I close with these words, again from Father Irene. Let us live with a healthy bit of fear in our hearts. I do not want to stand before Christ and be forced to say to him, No, I do not love you, not in any visible way. I have never cared for you. I have never looked after you. I have never clothed you. What a terrifying thought that our hearts may one day deliver that message. So let that inspire us not with a fear that stultifies us into death and makes us afraid to move or breathe, but one that fills us with zeal, knowing that a heart that has the tiniest pinprick of faith, knowing that God will help him change, will be utterly transfigured by God, that there is not one person in this holy temple on this morning who cannot behold the glory of God and attain unto his kingdom. There is no sin that any one of you has committed which has the power to stand between you and the mercy of God on that day of judgment. Let our hearts be shaped, then, in such a manner that we are ready to meet him, that we stand before him, and not through any words, but simply by the example of the lives we have led, we are able to say to him, Yes, Lord, I do love you. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ our God, have mercy upon us and save us. Blessed of the Lord, teach me thy statutes. What saints and martyrs to preach the Lamb of God and like lambs to 
Blessed are the 